You know, it's so much scarier in your head when you're operating in a vacuum as to, you know, when you just get out there and start doing it. I had no idea how to produce or create a podcast. And it was just getting out there, fumbling around, <laughs> you know, not knowing what I didn't know. And then I think that ability to collaborate with someone, learn, creating that social environment really, I, I think mentally helps helps get you through it. Um, and so I think tied to just going and doing is, is start working with people. Go sit down with someone in person and workshop it. Don't, don't keep it all bottled up in your head. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. And great ideas can come from anywhere. The people at Gray have a long history of finding and creating famously effective ideas. And so with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creators, artists, founders, and leaders from different industries about how they came up with their best ideas. And that's Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll discuss an idea that can truly raise the hair on the back of your neck. Hi, I'm Jason Connor, Global Chief Client Officer at Gray. This week, we're discussing the idea behind the fiction audio company, Q-Code. I had the privilege of connecting with Rob Harting, Q-Code's founder and CEO, about how he started Q-Code to help artists and creatives get their work greenlit. Rob spent over a decade working at talent agencies representing writers, directors, producers, and actors in film, TV, and new media. He climbed the ranks from the mailroom to agent at CAA, one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. In 2018, Rob left CAA to form Q-Code in partnership with the production company Automatic and management firm Grandview. Since launching in late 2018, Q-Code became the leader in the scripted fiction podcast space. With chart-topping, fan-favorite, critically acclaimed series, Q-Code has partnered and featured some of the biggest names in Hollywood, like Rami Malek, Cynthia Erivo, Tessa Thompson, Demi Moore, and Matthew McConaughey. Q-Code's hit show, Blackout, was awarded Best Fiction Podcast of the Year at the iHeartRadio Podcast Awards in 2020. Q-Code's podcast brings cinematic and immersive audio production to the fiction space, and with dozens of different stories, they cover a wide range of genres, including sci-fi, suspenseful thrillers, children's shows, comedies, and so much more. This is Rob Herting. I, I came up in the entertainment world, in the agencies. I started in the mailroom at a company called Endeavor, and you work your way up through that system. I had no original intention of becoming an agent. I uh, was very fortunate, had great mentors, found myself on that, on that track, and ended up spending you know, uh, over a decade as an agent representing writers, filmmakers, actors. And, you know, but really what it also was, was um, helping craft stories and help them find their way in the world. You know, that's pretty broadly defined, but I love doing that. And as I was listening to audio and so many podcasts and consuming them as a fan, you know, for me, uh, a bunch of light bulbs went off when I started realizing what an amazing medium it is for what I was doing with much more focus on in film and television. And um, I just had a series of exciting moments where, 
you know, these kind of ideas kept coming together. That really led to Qcode. That's great. So as you were doing it, as you started it, any like initial stumbling blocks along the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like, um, well, like everyone, you you have an idea, you know, and I, I, I love thinking about these things, solving a problem. Can it work? Is this a good idea? Isn't it? Um, you know, as fortunate as I started going down this road, getting a lot of yeses or realizing, you know, wow, that could work. However, like anything, there's so many challenges. And as I got into it, you know, monetizing it became one of the primary things that I realized I would have to learn how to figure out. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm fast forwarding a whole, uh, quite a bit here in the story, but, um, you know, learning the world of advertising actually, which was a big part of how we were going to monetize, uh, was a whole new field with a whole new set of rules and players. And, um, so that was a steep learning curve. And I, I will say, I just did not know what I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever does, but you clearly have figured it out, which is amazing. So let's actually rewind a little bit because uh, I didn't mean to take you further on into the journey. When you were saying earlier about sort of the type of problem you were looking to solve with Qcode, what was that problem you were looking to solve that Qcode could solve so uniquely? Yeah, I don't want to frame it so much as a problem because there's a lot of great stuff working in film and television. I think a lot of what I did, though, representing artists and creatives was hear ideas and help them find their way, be it, you know, a path to television, a path to becoming a movie. And, you know, a lot of it was having to say, uh, tell, tell folks why things would not work. And there's a whole, you know, set of reasons why, as you can imagine, that is often the case. Budget, this is what, you know, these studios are looking for. And, you know, increasingly, I, I did find that those those two things were at odds: what the artists wanted, what the what the studios networks want. And there's also been widely, you know, written about now the increasing focus on IP, you know, and what that means pre-existing IP. And I think storytellers want to tell original stories, right? And so, you know, that that was a I, I found to be a problem, and I I did. I did really dislike the idea of hearing an amazing concept story, but then having to tell that artist how hard it would be to push through the system and all the reasons why it might not work. And, and then actually, you know, be kind of torn and have to say, well, if you take this existing piece of IP or more obviously commercial prospect and push that, then you're going to have better odds at success, you know, which it's very true. Right. And so, you know, that, that I think it was the problem. It probably, it still is the problem. You know, a big part of what I love and the successes that we've had have been helping, you know, unknown artists create these shows that end up springboarding and get them on the map. And, you know, uh, they're that kind of first step through the system, so to speak. So that, that it still remains a big problem and is something at the beginning and, and even up until where we are right now that, that I hope we can do more of and help. That's great. So when you speak about artists and storytelling, how does it start? at Q code. Do you start with the artist? Do you start with the story? Do you like inside out chicken egg? How does it begin? Yeah. In a variety of ways, there's definitely not one path. I, I would say almost all of the, of the shows that we've made start through a general meeting with a writer, director, an actor, 
a creative, you know, I don't want to, so many of these folks do so many different things or all of them. So it usually starts with, with that, a general meeting, you know, or something that they've been working on and they want to figure out a path to put it out in the world. And, and that's, you know, where we're oftentimes, you know, myself or someone on our team is saying, you should really think about audio, you know, and all, all the, the exciting things that it, it offers as a, as a pathway. So let's talk about audio and specifically immersive audio. So I have to say, when I first started doing my research, I was listening to some of the podcasts and Blackout in particular, you literally had the hairs on the back of my neck standing on end (laughs) just with the suspense that you were able to create with that. And I have to say in, in this type of format, it's the first time I ever felt like that. And, uh, that's, that was, that's a pretty impressive feat. Well, uh, thank you. I very much appreciate it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because podcast is a pretty broadly defined category. And, um, you know, that was something that was and still is a big part of messaging and communication that I think a lot of those shows that we're best known for, like Blackout, so many others are bringing you into these immersive worlds. And, you know, I think like a great book, you're inviting the listener to use their imagination, which is obviously so, so powerful, like a great book. And you're kind of, kind of meeting them halfway. You're giving them these sonic environments, but you're, you're not sharing the visual component. So I think that's a really interesting new muscle for artists, new muscle for listeners and, and really exciting. And that, that's been fun. And it was a huge, huge part of the challenge. And so many of the people that we work with, it's, been a fun experiment. Every time we make a show, we try and test new things and how they're both built and how they're put together and then ultimately designed for listeners to hear them. That's great. I love that you use the word experiment and knowing that the company has been around now for more than several years, how has it and the way you've approached this evolved since you launched? There's one really obvious answer to that and that, you know, COVID had an impact for everyone. It impacted us. The first shows that we did, Blackout, Carrier, um, The Edge of Sleep, Gaslight, one of the really fun parts of it, and, and we're doing more of this, uh, we, we had to get away from it in COVID, but it's coming back now, is we would bring actors together in a room with the you know filmmaker writer and it was almost a hybrid between you know animation voiceover and live theater this element of performance in a room that's really fun and exciting when covid hit we you know in real time figured out how to make these shows remotely and i think this the series we did with Demi Moore called Dirty Diana was the first of those and everyone was doing it from their bathrooms and kitchens and it was this fun, crazy, you know, kind of uh, figuring it out on the fly. And we had people all over the world zooming in. And I I think it forced us to get really crafty and creative in post-production and in our logistical process of making all that work. The fantastic thing about it is our team, so much credit to our post team and all the people that we work with and collaborate, they were able to figure it out. And I don't think audience or listeners can actually notice the difference, would be able to tell which shows were created that way and which ones weren't. But that was an evolution for sure. And, you know, like like any type of content, we're constantly, I'll use that word again, experimenting with perspective. 
you know, if you listen to our shows and so many podcasts will use a lot of uh, monologue and narration, obviously audiobooks being a really kind of primary example of that, um, all the way to stories that don't speak to the listener in that way at all. And you're just kind of, we call it like fly on a wall, you know, you're just there, right? And then, and then everything in between. So experimenting with that is, is always fun and, and something we'll continue to do. That's great. Did anything surprise you along the journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think not just myself, but but people that uh, here at Q Code and uh, all the the folks that we work with on these shows. I think we're we're constantly surprised in both directions, in the sense of what can work and what won't. Um, sometimes we'll hear or we'll think about a really ambitious story. Is this something that an audience will be able to track in audio only, and it will seem impossible, and yet it will work, because you know I think our mind works in ways we don't we don't fully uh, you know even even understand or, or, or can make assumptions around. And then similarly, we'll or on the other end of it, there will be stories that seem so simple but yet won't work, and so. Part of that is in the magic of just creation and you have to get in and start making it and testing it. So that's that's the fun of it and the hurdle. But lots of surprises on every single show that we've made that it has thrown thrown curveballs at us. Yeah, no, that's I would totally expect that. You use the word magic, uh, which is so great. And you know, for an entrepreneur like yourself, there's got to be a lot of magic. There's also got to be a lot of inspiration um, on this. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but was there a point of inspiration that led you to do this? You know, I I will give credit to, I mean, I think I, I was always quite familiar with some of the old school radio dramas, things like War of the World, obviously Orson Welles stuff, and then right. even, you know, things like The Shadow in the, you know, in the, in the 50s. Um, and then podcasts really... You know, started to bring that back. You know, Homecoming came out right, right about the time. I think that was was a show that I um, had a real appreciation for uh, the creativity and how that came together. And you know, those things. I think it was the combination of all of those things that that really inspired me to think about well, where could this all go, and how many more different types of stories can be built. And can audiences can fall in love with, you know, and can you can you create the next or what is it? What is today's version of War of the Worlds look like in a different genre? You know, and that's that's something that hopefully we've we've lived up to. And I, I think we we all I certainly take pride in like taking risks and taking chances, you know, so we've done an erotic drama with Demi Moore and we've done a kids and family show with Matthew McConaughey. So it's, you know, I, I think that that kind of um, inspiration to hopefully create a story that resonates and really finds a wide audience in this format is is still there. But I, I yeah, I would point to some of those those touchstones. Yeah, no, that's great. Is there are there specific types of genres where you've had more success than others? Yeah, a lot of our shows that some of our highest performing shows fall in the. Um, genre space, so mystery, science fiction, thrillers. And I think that's a few things. One, I think an, an element of mystery um, is kind of broadly defined, works really well in the 
podcast format. So, you know, you leave the, you leave the listener wanting to know more, it drives them to the next step. So I think that's really relatable. And it, it's also, I think, connected to this, this just notion that there's so much, so much of an audience engaged around true crime. And that being so powerful that those genres that I mentioned are adjacent to. And so those audiences naturally kind of find their way uh, or cross over more easily. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I do think some of the others are growing. I think audio fiction in general as a category has has been growing and grown a lot since we started. Absolutely. And you've had amazing success. I mean, just the press that I've seen lately, whether it's been around Carrie Milligan and the Foxes of Hydesville to Crime Scene Queens to, <laughs> to you know, what's going to happen to, uh, you know, how to win friends and disappear people. I mean, you just have such amazing things happening right now, too. So congratulations on that kind of success. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, appreciate it. Each, each one of these has, has its own team behind it and, uh, you know, someone who built it, you know, from the, that, that kernel of an idea that we kind of took the ride with them on. And then, um, all, all these shows have usually, uh, a more well-known actor or influencer celebrity that has also come in and been a partner in that process. So, it's been a really fun, collaborative uh, endeavor, each individual show. Uh, I'm sure. You use the word team, uh, and to do what you do, it definitely takes a team. But it started off once upon a time as just you. <laughs> so how did you get others to, to join you? Before I started Q-Code, um, I was working at an agency called CAA, um, you know, and, and a lot of um, colleagues there were really supportive. I think surprised when I said I'm going to go work in the world of podcasts. You know, I think they were surprised. Um, a lot of support from from friends and colleagues there, and then you know, huge credit to a partner of mine, Brian Cavanaugh Jones, who is a film producer. He runs a production company called Automatic, and you know, he was a friend and someone that I'd worked with, but in a different capacity. I pitched him the idea. And he saw it, you know, he agreed and I think got as excited as I did. And um, he pulled in his partners at uh, Automatic and Grandview and you know, they really created a team, an early team and, and helped. And uh, they introduced me to, you know, uh, Dave Henning, um, another co-founder and early partner. And that, that created that basis. And then, um, you know, like anything, you lean on friends you know, one of uh, one of my close friends is a talent manager, Ben Curtis. He he represented Rami Malek, uh, and so you know, it was selling him on, hey, you know, let's. <laughs> and, and I credit Rami for you know that initial meeting and saying, hey, this is really cool. Like I'm I'm game. And he, you know, he <laughs> he was in the middle of some stuff at that moment. He had Bohemian Rhapsody sure. and won the Oscar around that time. So. You know, a lot of it, it took it took a lot of people to you know help uh, make it happen, and it 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 obviously it's incremental. You know, it's step by step. You gotta you gotta edge it along. Sure. Did you face any critics or encounter any critics along the way? Oh yeah, <laughs> quite a few. Uh, I won't name names, but I think I think the hard thing, and I'm sure this people you know can relate, is. You know, nothing seems obvious at the, uh, like out of the gates. And, and so at that moment in time, I, most people I think had no idea what I was talking about, right. Or they heard podcasts and they immediately thought, 
about, you know, Dak Shepard, Joe. And, and so it took this time to really hear and listen to what I was saying. And, and I ultimately felt like until I made one of these shows that I, uh, I just needed to go do that, you know, to say, this is what I mean. Right. Um, so I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't work fast enough to, to, to get into that position. You know, when I speak with entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of people say that there is sort of like this tipping point when they like look back and reflect where it's like, okay, I knew it's going to be something when this happened or at that moment in time for you, was there a moment in time where you're like, okay, this is going to be something. <laughs> yeah, there definitely was that, there was that moment. And I think that, I think I was fortunate that it, it didn't take an incredibly long time for it to happen because of, um, you know, Blackout was our first show. You know, we had the good fortune of that being with Rami. Um, great partnerships all around to make that show uh, a hit. And it came out and it it really, you know, I was really proud of what, you know, the team we, we made with that show. And then it it did find an audience. It, it resonated and connected. And so it did so many of the things. And I was able to get that feeling of, wow, okay, yes, there's something here. Now... <laughs> I so much more building and challenge after that. So that was that was by no means like reaching any kind of pinnacle. That was just some early like, hey, you know, this you're not wasting your time kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's how I would I would characterize it. That's great. How long did it take you from you know just coming up with the idea to this very first endeavor? I think it was the summer of uh, summer of 2018. You know, I was in, still an agent, and I, you know, the idea came to me pretty pretty quickly in the sense that I I realized that I I really wanted to do this and that I was willing to quit my job. <laughs> you know, it is a massive financial risk. My wife was pregnant with our first child. Like it was, there were some things that that were very scary about it to me, but I was, I was really, really excited about it. And so that motivation to just dive in and move fast. So I, I would say it, you know, the idea and the leaving of my day job happened the summer of 2018. We had the blackout idea and the scripts in motion by the end of the summer, early fall. And we were recording with Rami uh, right around Thanksgiving. So you know, in, inside at six months, we were we were recording and working on it, and then the show came out in March. So it was less than a year that that kind of cycle. Thankfully, it moved it moved relatively quickly. Yeah, that that was it. It did move fast. No, that's that's great. Um, if you were to go back to those early days, you know, especially knowing where you are now. Would you have done anything differently? <laughs> oh man, um, probably a lot of things. I, uh, you know, yes, it's it's hard for me. I, I don't regret any of the you know the the tactical decisions because I think with the the knowledge that we had and the team that I had, we all did our absolute best. So I. I I hope it's not a disappointing answer to say no uh, at large in that like, you know, that's the the kind of journey that we're on and, and we got 
you know, that, that path got, got us to where we are now. And so I'm, I'm really appreciative of it. You know, looking back, I, man, there were so many things where I'm like, we were wildly inefficient. Like I didn't, like I said, I had no idea what I didn't know about, you know, advertising and monetization and ultimately building a company was all so foreign. So <laughs> yeah, there were many. <laughs> so who helped you with that? Or who did you turn to, to learn about the monetization or the advertising or sort of the, how to build the business side of it, I guess? The, the monetization piece was a lot of trial and error and conversations um, externally and just trying to immerse myself in that world as best I possibly could. I I don't know that there's there's really one person that I would say is the answer to that question. Is it became much more about the team. I mentioned Dave Henning, Brian Cavanaugh Jones, even you know my friend Ben Curtis, who became an investor in the company. So there was, it was really this team, uh, you know, that that helped build it. And then as we started adding to that team, everyone contributed. You know, and and I think building building a business and a company and and that side of it is is each one of them is unique and has its own set of parameters. And so I, I realized pretty quickly I I would just have to learn this stuff uh, on my own. <laughs> you know, no one else was going to be able to figure it out. I think that's I'm sure that's relatable to a lot of people who have done it. Where you know you you have to know enough to. <laughs> be modestly informed in a lot of different areas, even though you're not an expert really in any of them. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, I totally get it. Um, any aha moments for you? Yeah, I think I think that one of the aha moments was really feeling both the positives and the negatives with being a consumer facing business, getting that feedback in Twitter, in real, you know, in real time or in Reddit and hearing, you know, the audience reactions was eye-opening, positive and negative, you know, and I think that it was something that I probably stupidly wasn't thinking about quite as much because I was so focused on just figuring out how to make the shows and work with the art, you know, and all of that. And then you realize, oh, wow, like this is really, really, you know, important and there's going to be this you know, parasocial relationship, like the, the audience is going to, that, that's really what's going to drive monetization and, and, and create, making sure that we're developing that, building that, speaking to them, you know, so that, that became a learned thing really fast. And, and in some ways happened faster than I maybe anticipated or was prepared, uh, to, you know, think about. Cool. How did you come up with the name Q code? Oh, naming is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so it's gone through a thousand names, um, so many bad ones, uh, uh, you know, so many ideas. You know, my part, partner, Brian, we were, we were batting around different ideas and he, um, his grandfather was big into ham, you know, transistor radios. It was an old operator. And um, we were obviously asking family and friends and getting feedback and you know, never get a consensus on this type of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, he had, Brian mentioned that Q code was the name of the language that, that ham radio operators use to communicate. So it's kind of a cousin to Morse code. And we all kind of love this idea of that nod to, 
um, this language, this signal language in audio and what that represented just sounded really interesting. And it also kind of felt like it could be its its own thing, you know, that that it could build its own brand that was, you know, maybe unique and identifiable. So that that's that's initially what we really loved about it. That's great. I love I love getting the backstory on something like that. It's super interesting, particularly because it ties so well to what you're doing and and the evolution of where you've even taken this craft. Um, you know, you've spoken so positively about your journey, you know, so congrats on an incredible amount of success. But was there a moment in time where you're just like, uh, <laughs> as you said earlier, you were doing this when your wife was pregnant with your first, I'm sure you had a ton of pressure on yourself. And did you just think, yeah, I'm going to throw in the towel and go back to being an agent or doing something different? Yeah. Oh yeah. I can vividly think of a few of those moments. It's, I, I think for me, there have been a couple moments in the um, fundraising process, in the responsibility of having a lot of employees that you know you're you and and really the success of the business are responsible for, and the kind of personal life going on at the same time that you know make that really really challenging when all of those things can collide and <laughs> the pressures of them collide at once. You know, I think that the hardest moments are where you, you know, I've found that I, I don't feel like you can't share all that pressure, right? And so that that's, those those are the things that make it hard. I, I will say, yeah, that the process of going through fundraising in particular was a steep learning curve. You know, I'm sure so many entrepreneurs can, can relate to this, but that can be a, an exhaustive and draining process. It makes you stronger and better and you learn a lot, but wow, can it be deflating as well, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Have, having gone through it, do you have any tips for other folks who find themselves in that position? Because that is so key to, you know, the initial success, right? To get the company off the ground. Yeah, I, I it's a couple things. It's like, storytelling is i mean look that's that's what we do i'm big uh i love that element of of everything i think having having the story you know this is you know whether it's a a listener for a podcast or someone we're trying to you know that i was trying to early on convince to invest in the company like they're humans and they they want to understand the the vision for what you have and that that requires a story so i think really workshopping that and, um, you know, making it exciting and having, having those people feel your passion through that story is, is really important. And then the other element I think is you're never going to get that story right unless you test run it. And so it's that classic, you know, you, you, you got you to fail to win and you're going to have to go out, you know, you're going to get rejected a lot, you know, um, but you're going to learn from the, right. And I, I certainly have, and, and did and will continue to, I'm sure. When you think about the journey, you know, did anybody give you a, a great piece of advice and who was it? Yeah. It's funny. Cause, cause he probably won't remember this. Um, when I was leaving the, yeah, <laughs> they often yeah. don't, <laughs> these people often don't, yeah. but they stick when with I you. When I was leaving the agency, a colleague of mine, uh, his name's Jim Toth said, don't let anyone tell your story for you. And I, I kind of interpreted that two ways. Uh, one is like, it was in some ways also a reminder to like, 
come up with like your story. And that story is a pretty broad definition, but like, what's your mission? What's the why, you know? And then, and then the second part was like, no one's better at telling that than you, you know? So get, get to the source, tell that story in, in as powerful way as possible and, and do it yourself, you know? And I, I just, I appreciated that. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of stuck with me that if you, if you really want to make things happen, you know, a lot of times you, you got to do, you know, you're, you're going to have to just get in there and do it. And you're going to have to have, have that story that you really believe in. So, yeah. That's great. So knowing what you've gone through and the success that you've had now, what would you tell someone else who's in your shoes, you know, or wasn't, was, you know, in your shoes in early days that it's just sort of starting out and has a, big idea and (laughs) in their mind, it's already huge, but maybe they're just, you know, in day one or day two. One of the biggest things I would, I would say early on is you're never going to have it all figured out. You know, even I'm sure you could talk to so, so many folks. I certainly don't, you know, I, I, I kind of question anyone who says they do. So, you know, it is just, take the plunge. And if, you, if you're passionate about it now, you know, I think you do want to, you, you, you want to get enough positive indicators that, that you feel, that you feel like it's got a great shot, but it, there will never be a moment that it feels certain. And so that, that's, oh, that risk is always going to be there. And that it's, I think, perfectly uh, just common. And part of what this is to do is to go out and kind of build the bridge as you're crossing it, right? Yeah, believe in that idea and and just go for it. You know, I don't mean to sound uh, reductive, but it's just just go and do. Yeah, so it's not reductive at all. What's your favorite part of your job now? My favorite part is still very much reaching certain milestones in the show creation process. You know, I don't want to pick any favorites, but getting that first dialogue pass after we record it, hearing the sound design come into focus, music, so awesome to hear that layered in. You know, these things come to life, you know, at each at each stage. That evolution is so rewarding. And, um, you know, and, and then ultimately uh, seeing some of the stuff that we're working on make its way through and you know, evolve into other mediums, books, film, and television is, uh, you know, that that's still the absolutely, without question, the most interesting part to me. That's great. It's, it's great to hear you answer in a way where you still are clearly exuding such passion for the craft of what you do. And given the position that you're in, you know, to be that close to it, I think is wonderful. Do you ever, can you ever see a, a day where, this company gets so big where you're separate from it, or do you think you'll just always be tied to it? I it's hard for me to it's hard for me to see that day right now because I I I think have the good fortune, just this shape of the company where I, I still am able to do that and and be hands-on in that way. Um I suppose it's it's possible though. I, I would certainly angle to uh want to keep keep close to that that side of it hopefully share any learnings that I can contribute. Um, it is, you know, like all of these things, it's such a collaborative process. So um, I think I think I really enjoy that element of it too and would hate to hate to not be a part of that. I totally understand that. So what's next for Q-Code? Hopefully uh, we continue to make 
big, bold, scripted stories. I think uh, another big initiative for us right now is we are expanding the network side of our company. So we've started to launch and uh, bring more weekly, always on shows into into our network, you know, which is which has been a learning. Um, and that as we're marketing and promoting shows, we're, we're able to work within network to find fun cross-promotion and collaboration opportunities. So that's uh, a new focus and I think probably feels a little bit different from a lot of what we talked about here and I think what people know us best for. And ultimately, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm excited about it because uh, building out our, our network really helps propel you know, the original stories that we're making. So it's, it's kind of all in service of that, that original mission. But, uh, but yeah, that's one of the new initiatives we're, we're tackling. That's great. Any last words for our listeners, any, you know, all the creators and makers out there that would just be looking to learn from someone who's had great success? I, I would implore people to, you know, if you have an original idea that you believe in, there is absolutely an outlet and a medium and a path for it. So I think everyone needs and wants fresh perspectives, new stories. You know, yes, there will be the sequels and the prequels and and all of that out in, in media, but there's always going to be a desire for, for us to have these new original stories. And so if you believe in it, go for it. Everyone started somewhere and and all of these, you know, so many ideas that, that turn into big mega hits and blockbusters and hit TV shows and, uh, you know, massive books, you know, they, they just start with that seed of an idea. Definitely don't think it's I- impossible. And, you know, hopefully, you know, what we do is, is just one element aspect or, or approach. And there's so many other ways. So I, uh, you know, I, I encourage everyone to just be optimistic and, uh, and believe. That was a cool conversation. Rob is such an extraordinary guy who brings so much energy and excitement to the work he does. I really love talking to him. A really interesting thing happened as I was wrapping the interview with Rob. My teenage son texted me from college saying that he listens to Q-Code. And like me, he was totally caught up in the immersive sound, especially the fictional thrillers where you can literally feel the footsteps walking behind you. To learn more about Q-Code, you can go to QCode.com or listen to a Q-Code show anywhere you find a podcast. They obviously have a number of scripted shows that they are famous for, and now Rob mentioned some nonfiction, more traditional podcasts as well. If you love Q-Code, you can become a paid subscriber to their channel on Apple Podcasts. So that does it for us. This week, the podcast team and I would like to thank Rich Eisman, Carol Wright, Anna Baylor, Tom Breck, and Dane Cardiel. If you'd like to hear more creators, founders, and inventors discuss how they brought their big dreams to life, then check out all past podcasts in this feed. Reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our email address, podcasts at gray.com. And lastly, tell someone about our show to help us share these ideas with the world. I'm Jason Connor, and thanks for listening to Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Gray Matter is hosted by Jason Connor, produced by Samantha Geller, mixed by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes at Gramercy Park Studios, with post-production support from Ned Martin, Robin Frank, and Kyle St. Agath, marketing and administrative support by Christina Hyde, Adrian Hopkins, 
Marcella Basilar, and Gina Cuneo. Editor and executive producer, Joey Scarillo. Bray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.